0: Praise be to God as we gather again today and open God's Word. We're in our series, Healing Hearts and Strengthening Homes, How the Gospel Transforms Marriages and Relationships. So if you're not married, it's still for you. Hang in there, okay? Every time you drop the M word or the F word in church, people tune out and look for the doors, marriage or finances, and we're talking about both. So just hang with me. God's Word is so good, and it always reveals what's going on in our hearts. And it's in these two chapters, 1 Timothy 5 and 6, he's dealing with the ease of looking good and using good words, but not actually being good, not actually being transformed. And, and we're going to have an opportunity to see just the, the tension of, of good works, And the importance of that, but that's a a result of those who've already believed and received after they've turned from sin and turned to Jesus, they're saved. And so as God's drawn and answered many prayers to have servants and workers here as the harvest is plentiful and the workers are always on demand— And needed. I wanted to give you an update as we start, just some family exciting news as our church continues to grow and has a focus towards um, what happens on a Sunday and throughout the week in kids and youth ministries. We've gotten some response, some people have said yes to the next generation serving in kids ministry. There's going to be a training um, August 6th, and then starting August 20th, we're going to have an 830 kids ministry service. So those of you that are thinking about maybe serving at the 1030, this service, you can attend 830 with your spouse and have kids in kids ministry up to six-ish. So we're obviously going to make exception as needed for seven, eight-year-olds that would benefit being in a kids ministry environment than the big house. So uh, that's exciting because we've been planning and praying for the opportunity to have volunteers that would say yes at the 830 to allow families to attend church together. And it is. It's two services. So um, attend one, serve at the next. And the blessings that come from that are amazing. And we continue to share God at work moments of God saying, okay, here's your opportunity. Lean in, serve. And you don't have the gifts. Many of you are like, I'm not really gifted, Pastor. I don't know. Neither was John the Baptist. That's why he said, may I decrease and may you increase, Lord. Because even baptizing and preaching repentance was challenging when all of the religious leaders said no just do good and say good things and he's like you actually need to believe right things you actually need to know Jesus and he's coming and it's apart from Jesus there's no life so we have three needs to preach that simple gospel second and third grade preschool and then one fourth and fifth grade so there's training there's support there's equipping um, but be in prayer maybe you're like, actually, God's revealed to me, my gift is hospitality and prayer. So I'll pray and let me know when I can provide some refreshments. We'll we'll take care of that. But as a church, we need to be aware and be in prayer for the opportunities God's presented. And maybe the answer to that prayer is you have been looking for a place to serve. And that's going to be an opportunity for you to grow, but also receive the joy of the Lord as you serve. So be in prayer for those for workers that are going to say yes in the coming weeks and be excited about having kids ministry at 8.30. So as we see Jesus teaching, he teaches about 39, 40 parables. And of those 39 or 40 parables, he talks about money in 11 of them. So it's been said that Jesus talks about money more than any other topic. Maybe you've been manipulated by that lie. The truth is he uses money as an example often, a teaching illustration, if you will, but he's, he's not often talking specifically about money. But he brings up the topic because it's how we reveal what our heart or what our time is really looking towards or depending on. And so growing up, they would always tell me, hey, look at your checkbook and that's, that'll tell you what you're worshiping. Um, I never really had a checkbook. I think the bank sent me one, but I never used it because I was quick to use the debit card. Um, it felt a lot less painful swiping that than handing over cash and counting the you know, $8 bills for, for In-N-Out for my friend and I. Now you have to pay that just for your own meal. It's like, geez, this is crazy. I'll just swipe it and we'll forget about it. The bottom line is that money is the most revealing thing. It reveals what our heart, is longing for or looking for, and it shows us what our hope is in. And as we've been talking about this this series about healing hearts, strengthening homes, how the gospels transforming marriages and, and lives. Going back to Genesis, we saw there's a creator who has a couple that he created and a covenant, agreeing to better one another. And, and God started that in Genesis two. The Lord said, "It is not good for man to be alone." So he made a helper suitable for him and there's this partnership that's created. And then the new covenant that Jesus instills we do every week is the communion. Every time we gather, scripture tells us to take communion. So it's kind of people come and and especially visitors are like, Whoa, you do communion every week? That's weird. And I'm like, well Jesus told us to do it, so I don't know why we didn't do it growing up. Like, I mean, yeah, it costs a little bit of money and the same two people, fortunately but unfortunately, other people are missing out on the joy to prepare communion every week for all of us. Like, it's amazing. But that was the pushback. It was like, could we do this? And it was like, well, that means we have to get there early. Yeah, but all of you get the blessing of that every week, and it focuses our hearts and our minds off of me and onto Jesus, off of even you and realizing, oh, I am nothing without Jesus, and he did this for me. And we see that he said, I've given it all for you. Now, Go tell everyone about all that I've done and baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. So baptism is the one thing he told us to do in addition to communion. So it's communion and baptism are the two things Jesus said, okay, you believe in me, then take communion every time you gather and then go tell everyone about me, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And it's not just in Tascadero, Templeton, Paso, North County, California, it's the entire world. So I don't know what you're doing in California still. We have the whole world that has to know about Jesus. And that's going to cost us some money. <laughs> it's not free, right? And so the amazing thing is the gospel is free, but getting the gospel places costs us. It costs us time. It costs us using our talents for other people's benefit. And it costs us some, some treasures, some financial. And, and Jesus says, this is what I'm commanding you to do. And he promises, I'll be with you even to the end of the age, in Matthew 28. And he's saying the importance of this. In Matthew 5, it's recorded, Jesus says, you're like a light, like a lamp. When someone lights a lamp, they don't put a basket over it. When, when you light, now we have like lights that are recessed into the drywall, all fancy and sleek. You, you don't l- turn the light on and then get duct tape and start duct taping all of the lights and then ripping paint off. That's a lot of extra work. Now you got to repair the paint. Plus, it probably left some sticky stuff on the light. It's just so ridiculous. He's saying in 16 of Matthew, let your light shine before others so that they may see. So that they may see your good works. See that before you were selfishly serving, using your talent, spending your money on yourself, but now you're spending your money and your time for God's kingdom and for the benefit of others. When they see that, they're going to give glory to God. When they see your good works, they're going to give glory to God who's in heaven. God enjoys increasing the faith of his kids. And then instead of, for his kids, wanting God to remove all the trials, all the challenges, and just giving us quick, easy victory with no exercise of any patience, we, as his kids, need to persevere through the trials that may come out of his hand. As he gives us obstacles, challenges, sometimes God will even give us defeats, as, as Josh shared. Man, there's this, like, kind of defeat, different reality, we were about to go in and look at how when we stepped into that and said, okay, this is what the world would look at as a defeat. And I know when, when Jenna and I, when Jenna was pregnant and I was there in those meetings, she was doing all the work. uh, I was just cheering her on and they were like, hey, there's a question for this. If that case, if, if these results come back, then do we want to just terminate? And it's like, whoa, that was quick. And that's how the world looks at things. Like there's no hope. Let's just go here. If there's any kind of abnormalities in these tests, Rather than going, hey, this is what God's allowed. Let's embrace this. Let's see what God's allowed and going to strengthen us and bring about a joy playground for the community and see how in life, God allows challenges. Sometimes it's a complete defeat. But that's where God allows those to be food for our faith. That's where God says, are you going to have faith? Are you going to trust me that I'm giving you And as we found out, out of three kids, there's some interesting characteristics, and there's some interesting personalities, and there's some interesting opportunities that God says, okay, are you going to have faith, and and trust me with this? Are you going to have faith in this season? Are you going to, hey, the doctor just gave you a cancer diagnosis. That wasn't part of the plan, God. I don't know if you read my manual. I've been reading yours, but my 10-year, 50-year plan does not have cancer in it. Can you fix this? You're the healer, but sometimes God says, hey, you're going to endure it. And sometimes God says, what cancer? I already, already healed you. Check it out. And the, and the doctors are left dumbfounded. But it's God's plan. And so we have to take whatever comes at us and say, okay, how is this going to build my faith? And that's where he says, look, I want, now that you're a believer, I want you to understand your position in relation to my finances, because he owns everything. God's saying, now you're my financial partners. I'm entrusting with and in you these resources. And so his plan for this financial partnership is that we acknowledge everything is God's and it's for his purpose. So everything is God's and it's for his purpose. So as good stewards, Matthew 25 tells us about the talents where a guy has five and he doubles it, he has 10, another guy's a little less, and one guy's one and he freaks out, he's scared because God harvests where he doesn't plant he, and, and so he, he buries it in the dirt. And then he comes back, and Jesus is telling the story. And he's like, You're a harsh manager. You're going to have all these resources. You're going to gain all these investments. So here's your talent back. Sorry about the worm. It's a little dirty, but I buried it in the ground. It's there. And he's like, You wicked servant. You know that. You should have just put it in the bank, and at least they would have given me a little bit of interest. I would have got five cents a year later. Like, at least I would have got a little extra interest. And he says in verse 29, For to everyone who has, more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. When the Son of Man comes in his glory, and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. Jesus tells this story to, to... to help them understand Jesus is the one who's in heaven, who's the son of man, who's equal to God, who has all the authority, all the power, and he's trying to get us excited that we're supposed to be living as sons and daughters equal through him to have that inheritance, to to do what he's called us to do, because he says his church, his church, the, the church he's building, will be so consumed about building his kingdom and the gates of hell will not prevail. Meaning that his church has to be on the offense. That we are supposed to have this abundance mentality not this victim or scarcity. We're supposed to be like, okay God, where am I going? What am I doing? And as our faith is built we trust him to provide our needs. Deuteronomy 10.14 says, behold the Lord, your God, belong heaven and the heaven of heavens, the earth with all that is in it the earth with all that is in it. Every time someone brings up, you know, anyone kind of around here seeing what God has done as he's grown the church, he's like, all right. Men and women are asking me, hey, what's the plan? And I'm saying, okay, elders, we're praying, trusting God that he knows our needs and he's met them from day one. We're praying that God would bring workers to to disciple and care for families. But there may come a time when we, we, we grow and need a building, and everyone's like, oh, you can't build in California, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, yeah, I know. With man, it's impossible. There's no way. But with God, he owns it all. So whenever there's a need to do VBS or to do missions or to, to plant a church, it's like, hey, yes, we, all we have is nothing. But with God, we have everything. So let's keep our mind fixed on him, keep our eyes fixed on him, and let our faith grow. It's it's been said more simply the value of money the value of money lies in how it's used to accomplish the work of the Lord. The value of money lies in if it's used to build his kingdom. Similarly, the worth of life is determined how it's dedicated to serve the Lord. So everything is God's and it's for his purpose whether it's life, talents or treasure. We see this clearly when, when finances are used to meet our needs, 1 Timothy 5.8, if anyone does not provide for his relatives and especially for members of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. 1 Timothy 5.8, Paul's telling Timothy, hey, when you're talking about resources and money, make sure you are taking care of the needs in your home. So we see Jesus has given us everything we need in Christ— and he's promised to care for our needs. And so when we know that our needs are met in Christ, there they are, the financial needs, we have food and clothing. More importantly, we have salvation in the Lord where he's removed sin and shame and brought a perfect and forever relationship with Christ. So our needs are met. And then Ephesians 4.28 says, resources are to meet others' needs. Let the thief no longer steal but rather let him labor doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Isn't that a beautiful verse? It doesn't say let the thief work it in and out so he doesn't have to worry about stealing burgers. When they call numbers, he just swipes. I'm always amazed. Like at Starbucks, the mobile order thing and burgers. Like how many people, if I was homeless and a thief, I would just, whoop, yep, I'm 29. Here you go. Sweet. Yeah, that's my mobile order. But it's not talking about them being satisfied. It's talking about, okay, let the thief no longer steal and then let him have excess, the overflowing, and that he would serve and share other people so that those who have need, their needs would be met. The interesting thing, the next thing is is it's saying, Bring glory to God. 2 Corinthians 9.11 Our needs are met, and then we have access to share with others. Or even in our poverty, we choose to share with others. We bring glory to God. 2 Corinthians 9.11 You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. When we give what we have to serve others, that's where the joy in Christ will be complete. So as Jesus saves us and gives us everything, and then we... Maybe we get married, and we have kids, or we're single, and we have a budget, and we see how God's provided a job for us, and then we have everything we need, and we're, we're full. And every Saturday at the end of Sabbath, the Jews have a, a reminder service, and, and that Saturday night that would break, it's called in, in Hebrew, Havdah, but it's, it means separation, And they do this and they show a cup being filled and and with wine and different things they'll, they'll often have to remember that God has provided everything they need. But then out of the overflow, there's excess so they can be generous and give. And it's the overflow that we see only happens when we choose to live simply. So as we acknowledge first that everything is God's and it's for His purpose, then we orient ourselves to look at our holds, and say, okay, electricity is going up, water is going up, let's make a budget so we can plan and, and trust God, He'll provide, and as He does, food and water and clothing, we have everything. Then we need to live simply so we can share generously. That's the second thing, because if you look at your budget and go, man, we have little to share, are we going to be joyful and, and share what little we have? Or, the tension is in, in the counsel we get from Paul to a young pastor, Timothy, in 1 Timothy 6, 17-19. The importance to live simply so we can give generously is really clear in verse 17. As for the rich, that's us. As for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes in the uncertainty of riches, but on God who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. So he's saying, hey, rich people, remind, be reminded that we need to trust in God, hope in God who gave us these riches. He owns everything. And it's for his purpose. It's up to us, verse 18, to do good, be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, thus storing up treasures for themselves as a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. So it's not about the number. It's about the faithfulness. It's about the consistency. As as you give consistently here, then we can can dream responsibly. We can go, hey, if we did VBS, with this money coming, we could do this. We could reach this many people. And the amazing thing is you guys give. We've committed to give 10% to the Global Mission Fund, the Great Commission Fund, of the Christian Missionary Alliance. And the exciting thing is, in the future, we hope to have short-term mission trips where we can go and see what God's been doing through that consistent giving. It's not about the number, it's about faithfulness. The value of money is really measured how it's carrying out building God's kingdom and supporting that work and the presence of the gospel throughout the world. 1 Timothy 6, 6 through 12 says, godliness with contentment is great gain. As we desire to look like Christ, love like Christ, and then give like Christ, when we're content. And we're not always looking how how we can upsize or supersize what God's given us and say, okay, now I I got a bigger I got a bigger house, I got a bigger barn, I gotta get a bigger boat, bigger RV. Then here's all this. And look at I have all this in my household. It costs more for, for my family. And we go on these vacations and we can have this kind of food and, and these clothes and these amenities and then you get more and more and more, and it doesn't overflow. So there's still more. It's focusing on you. And, and that's where verse 6, godliness with contentment. When we're content and we allow him to pour into what we need, then it's not necessarily saying I have to give out of my poverty. But as we live simply, then we have you know, as they say, maybe a house paid off. Then you have that excess every month coming in that you can give generously from. And it's maintaining that simple, content life in Christ. That he's provided food. He's provided clothing. He's provided shelter. And it's funny, as I look in my wardrobe every once in a while, like once a year, I'm like, maybe I should get some new clothes. Like, why? I need to probably just lose weight and fit back in the old jeans. Like, I got all these other clothes sitting here. They're great. All I have to do is just be a little more disciplined and it's like, uh-oh, maybe, maybe it's not trying to get excess for me. There's other people that need, and I can serve them, and I can give to that. And it's that abundance life. It's that abundance mindset, which it's that tension of, oh, why can't you have that car? I don't know why they can't have that car. If they have all these zeros, and they're giving out of their zeros, and, and maybe they need to be more disciplined. I don't know. That's between them and the Lord. That's where prayer comes in. That's where prayer comes in. And I don't think the church has talked enough about prayer. I don't think pastors have said, look at this is actually about prayer. Are you having a conversation between you and God about your zeros and ones? Are you saying, hey God, I don't, because the more I looked at this this week, it was like, yeah, every time I look at someone who's pursuing the kingdom, they look at their checkbook and they realize we have way more money. We have way more money than we, we really need. We can give this away. We can give 10, 20, 30% of our wealth. And all of a sudden, they're like, this is exciting. Everything we need is taken care of. And look at all this we can give away. I can't wait to live that way. And I'm like, you're crazy. I don't know what Bible you're reading, but I need to read this, I guess, and see. And then you do, and it's like, wow, that's what joy is. And I think about it so clearly. When we look at Jesus, who was in heaven, what did it cost him to come and be the Savior of the world? He spent 33 years. He left heaven for earth to come and suffer and die in our place that we might have access to God, that we might have our sins forgiven. And yet, this last week we got an opportunity to go to, to Camp Good News and share the gospel. CJ was there, Heidi was there, I was there a couple days. People were like, you're driving back and forth, you're going to go down there? I'm like, yeah, it's 40 minutes, no big deal. I know Google says an hour. Okay, probably shouldn't have told you that. But you can get there, it's not that far. And it's not that hard to share the gospel, especially one who's been called to share the gospel and gifted as evangelist. It's amazing to go, this is what like, we have to do and figure it out. But it does cost, you know, okay, we've got a budget for that a little bit. But if I'm always just trying to figure out what my green fees are and what our vacations are and what my clothing, got to build a bigger closet because I got to get more clothes. I'm preaching on Sunday. I got to look good for the camera. Like if I'm always consumed with this, there's going to be less to give. And so it's saying, okay, are you focused on how much God's given you and how much he gave himself so that you could have access to him? Now, what are you going to give away? And that's where he goes on and says in verse verse 7, we brought nothing into the world. We can't take anything out of the world. Verse 8, if we have food and clothing, with these we will be content. Verse 9, but those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. I don't have time to give you all the examples of that, right? Like we've seen it constantly. It's not that money is evil, verse 10, says for the love, for the love When they're loving anything but God and money happens to be a constant opportunity for us to love money because it gives us power, possessions, and position in this world, it affords us that. For the love of the power, for the love of the position, for the love of the possessions, for the love of money, that's the root of all kinds of evil. Because then you're willing to do things and say things and desire things above God who we just learned. All of it's his, and it's for his purpose. So if we take things from him for our purpose, there's no hope for us. That's why Jesus told us that parable of these talents that were given. But when you take the talents and use them for your own, especially the fearful one who just buried it out of fear, there was no faith, which means he didn't trust God, which means he only trusted himself in his own desire to be lazy and live for pleasure instead of the purposes of God acknowledging all the possessions and all the resources are God's. Now you have a right relationship with God. So the verse 10 is huge. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. It is through the cravings that some have wandered away from the faith, pierced themselves with many pangs. In verse 11, for But as for you, O man of God, flee these things, pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, and gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of eternal life, to which you are called, and about which you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. So as we think about this, as we live simply, we can share generously. As we live simply and say, we have food and clothing, this is enough. We have cars that run, okay, now how much can I give away? And turn that focus and say, okay, even as we learn, it's not just out of our excess, but it is, okay, out of my poverty. Like, I want more, or maybe I had this, Unexpected expense. i got to put a new engine in the car, but I'm still going to consistently give. I'm still going to give to the Lord. I'm not going to short God because of this unexpected thing. And that's where the savings principle is huge because if you orient your budget with an amount of savings, then you can draw out of that to pay for those unexpected expenses and maintain that simple living so you can give generously. And it's for the joy that was set before Jesus. He endured the cross showing us that perfect example of serving others and putting others' needs before our own. And we see the the call for you today as we're wrapping up. You're like, man, this is good. Keep it tight. Keep it short. We're talking about money. i got to figure out my wallet. I think I left that in the car. Perfect day to leave that. You should not, need not, God doesn't want, A dollar. He owns it all. It's his. He has a cattle on a thousand hills. How are we going to pay for this? How are we going to do that? Hey, he'll figure it out. He wants your heart. Once your heart is his, once all of your life is surrendered to him, then he'll start to have that conversation with you. Hey, how's your time? How, How much time are you spending on you versus your family versus my kingdom? Because the most important kingdom work you do is in your home. So maybe we need to reorient some things. How are your talents? Oh, you don't think you're talented? Maybe you need to meet with a pastor or be discipled to see you have spiritual gifts. And, and by the way, it's not one or two. It's you have the spirit in you, and he'll reveal the gifts he's given to you, even at different times. So maybe there's a need in kids or in youth ministry or ushering, or maybe you need to start a life group, or there's a guy at work or a woman at work you need to disciple and, and share. Like, there's opportunities. What are you doing? But if you don't know Jesus, you can't do anything. Jesus said, apart from me, you will do nothing. But if you abide in me, if you remain in me, you're gonna bear fruit. He says, you're gonna bear much fruit. So it's not gonna be any, there won't be any confusion. You're gonna have abundance, you're gonna have love, you're gonna have joy, gentleness, and the world's gonna see that good work. They're gonna see that light, and the world gets darker, our light will shine brighter. And that's, where, that's why persecution comes, because they start yelling at you, turn out the light, it's bright, put duct tape on the ceiling. And Jesus is like, no, you idiot, that's not. The point is for the good works to blind them. The point is for you to live simply so you can give generously, and then they will be like, what's wrong with you? I want that. Why do you have it? Who gave that to you? Jesus, let me tell you about him. Perfect, I'm saved. Now they're serving the Lord with you. But you have to come to Jesus today. You have to turn away from your sin, turn away from your selfish living and realize it's going to cost you everything, not just an extra 20 in the plate. I always thought as a kid growing around, there was a guilt bag. I didn't know they called it an offering bag. I was like, dude, I feel guilty every time you pass this thing around. And all I would give was whatever's in my pocket, which classic me, I never had cash because that was like before check. I was after checkbooks and cash. I was the debit card generation. So I had that card and I was like, well, too bad you don't have one of these swiper things because this is all I got. And I think I have a $2 bill, but here you go, God. Once in a while, that was like leftover from getting donuts that day, right? But that's not the point. I didn't realize that. It was God wants all of me. He wants me to sit down ahead of time. And once I started getting paychecks, it was a little easier to do. I was like, okay, right away, before this goes in the bank, I'm giving 10%. We'll start there. And I got called out like two weeks later. I was in a meeting, and this older couple's like, yeah, I mean, we give 50%. I'm like, What? I just started ten percent. Like, how does it? How fast do I have to go from here to there? Like, that's crazy. And like, it's cr- yeah, but God always supplies, and that's where that first principle. It's all His, and it's for His purpose. And once you get that, then you can go. Oh, the simpler I live, the more content I live. It's godliness with contentment is great gain, and I can give away and I can fund missionaries because there's three thousand or three million people who have yet to hear the gospel, roughly. Missionologists missiologists have determined they've never heard jesus which breaks my heart and should break ours and that's why we go to prayer and go god send the workers and provide the resources you're the god who owns it all for your purpose that they would know you and how are we a part of that first we have to know the gospel if you've never trusted in jesus trust in him today for those of us that have trusted in jesus What if your finances are a mess? Take a class. We're gonna offer a financial peace class in the next couple months. We'll let you know when that start date is. If you're like me, you're like, I'm going on the website right now, signing up. I'm gonna get a handle on this. Sign up, repent, turn from getting everything on credit and and turn to going, okay, I have a budget. I'm telling every dollar where it should go. I'm gonna take Dave Ramsey or find another class. Turn from your sin, get a mentor, be discipled on how to budget how to tell your money where to go instead of being surprised that you told it where to go on the, on the fly? What if everything seems fine right now and you're not being obedient though? You're just like, well, there's money in my checking account every month, no big deal. The storm is coming. There's only two types of seasons. Either you're coming out of a storm or you're about to go in one. Like, okay, we just got tires on the car, everything's great, go out to Camp Good News, boom, pop the tire. Well, I guess we need new tires. You're either coming out of one, just paid for it, or you're saving to pay for something. And so if it's empty, unprotected, it's temporary. And so realizing, hey, are we planning? Are we prepared for this? Do we have a savings account? Are are we focused? Are we getting excited about what we can give and fund God's mission? And Thirdly, if you're unequally yoked, as we've showed in this series, where there's maybe a husband or a wife, and you're pursuing Christ more, and so after this message, you're going to have that conversation. You're going to sit down and say, okay, what can we give, and how much, and who, and where, and all of a sudden, you know, maybe your, your husband, be respectful and honor your husband. If he doesn't quite get it, it's not on the same page. Spend time in prayer. Let God reveal to you and bring unity and be understanding. Listen to your wife. If she's coming to you going, hey, we need to do this, give consistently so that as a church they can dream and plan responsibly and to be wise in how you deal with things because God knows your heart. It's not that he needs your money, but he wants you to experience the joy of living within what God's given you using your talents to to see them grow and to see how God's going to use it to bless you and bless others. And strong faith is built through great trials. I think the biggest thing that Jesus brings about with money is seeing what we're trusting in and how it pushes us to trust in him, because he's the one who faithfully will give and supply every single time, not just food and clothes, but when he's hanging out with the disciples on the boat and the storm kicks up and it's nature, it's things unforeseen, it's an act of God and God, Jesus is like, yeah, but I'm God, so I can, I can tell it to be quiet. Sorry, you got a little, little fright in there, little wind and waves. Give it a couple centuries, you'll learn how to surf waves and you'll be stoked there's waves and wind. You're like, yes, this is awesome. Get the boards. But right now you're fishermen and you're freaked out, so just quiet down. But when you trust him and have faith in him, that only comes because of the storms in our lives. He allows that. So as we close, I want us to think about this because that passage in First Peter about husbands, when we're in sin, God't he doesn't hear our prayers. Like it's a huge deal, and so often that's the last thing we surrender. And as we, we showed that triangle with husbands and wives trying to grow closer to God, if your prayer life is turned off because of sin, then you're not growing closer to God. And that's where George Mueller, this first original punk rock kid I learned about his story, on the streets, getting in and out of trouble, in and out of fights, in and out of prison, ends up coming to know the Lord as his personal savior, repents, turns from sin, turns to God, and sees all these other punk kids on the streets and is like, we need to start an orphanage. I got zero money, but I know we need to do this. And so he uh, he plans it through prayer and through some kind of very interesting circumstances. I don't have time to get into it right now. They, they get the money, build the orphanage, and they're always like to the minute they have what they need. And so here one day he wakes up in the morning, gets all the kids together. And the staff, and he says, hey, we're a little behind on rent, we don't have any food, we don't have anything to drink, it's breakfast time, we're going to pray. So they pray, and as soon as they finish praying, there's a knock at the door, and the baker opens the door, and he's like, hey, George, I just got up this morning at 3 a.m., and, and God put it on my heart that I just needed to bake you a bunch of bread, so here's, here's the bread. I don't know if you could use it, maybe you could give it away if you have extra And all the kids and staff were like, yeah, woo, God's awesome. We prayed and here's the food. This is like manna, like boom, it's there. Fresh, hot, and ready. This is so good. So as they're eating the bread and celebrating and praising God, he provided the next minute they hear another knock. And this, the the dairy delivery guy and his truck broke down. And the dairy guy's like, hey, all the milk's going to go to waste. So I don't know if you could like use it. Maybe you have extra, maybe you could give it to your cats, but here's some milk. And it's, it's so, like I read this stuff and I'm like, I don't know if I can tell the elders I'm excited about this because it's so irresponsible as Americans. And Dave Ramsey would have a fit because George Mueller literally, just every step financially was God's got it. He'll just give it to me when I need it. We'll just pray about it. We don't need a savings account. That kind of faith Those storms, those challenges, those defeats that he had through his life, but he trusted in God, knowing that God's the God who has it all, and it's for his purpose. That's the kind of faith that we need when we're going through everyday life, and especially in the area of finances, where it gets so comfortable and easy because we have an opportunity to have a savings account. But we don't need a savings account because we have our account eternally secure because we're saved in Christ. And as we fix our eyes on Jesus, remaining trusting and having our faith in him, the abundance and that abundant life of bearing fruit as we give generously to those in need because we are grateful he's met our needs and we get to be his hands and feet meeting others. So as we have the elements passed now I want to encourage us as we think about our time, talents, and especially today, our treasures. How are we stewarding that? How are we living simply so we can give generously? And maybe in your heart, you're like, well, I need to simply surrender my whole life to Jesus because I've never done that. This is a time for believers to to take these elements and be reminded and refocus on what Jesus gave you. He gave his whole life and calls us to surrender our lives to him that led would allow him to lead us to love others as he's loved us. So will you pray with me? God, we thank you for today. We thank you for this opportunity once again to grab hold of the bread and the juice and be reminded that without you, we're nothing, that you own everything and it's all for your purposes. And we're here to partner with you. And Lord, as we come under your authority, we're reminded that we're called to live simply so we can give generously. We pray that we would continue to reorient ourselves financially, in our time and our talents, under your authority, that we might be good stewards so that you'd get the glory and others would see our good works. And for those of you in here that are saying yes to Jesus, and I believe in Jesus, and I'm trusting in him as my Savior for the first time, we pray that you'd let us know, and God, that you'd work in their hearts to continue to grow them, and we could walk with them as they start this journey of faith following you. In Jesus' name, amen.